Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yes, it's Tuesday. Yes, we're in some new places. We're on some new days. It's stoppage time. It's it's for real. Uh, we've got matches this week. We got two matches this week. We got a lot going on, Mike. This is chaos. Yeah, I, I, I kind of confused myself a little bit. Um, this is my first real experience with live Twitch, uh, and I can already tell that I I think I'm really going to like this. That's what I thought. Uh, I mean, I watch I watch you guys on SDH on Twitch, but I'm not really a like a participant on Twitch. I'm more of a viewer. So uh, I think this is going to be great for us. It's still going to be on Facebook. When we're done, we're going to post the video to Facebook. So if you're used to seeing it there, or maybe you're even watching us there right now, um, still going to be there once we're done with the live show. The audio is still going to get posted to Off the Woodwork, so nothing really changes there. And the Tuesday thing is because there's a match tomorrow, and Jason and I's commitments on match day, match days, plural, I guess, um, they've increased a little bit. We just don't have time now to do a stoppage time of the day of the match. So that's why we're doing it on Tuesday. But based on the fact that I see a lot of people commenting in the – can we call it the Twitch pitch? Can can I steal that from SDH? You can steal that. That's fine. Okay. Based on the fact we have a lot of people commenting in the Twitch pitch, I'm glad that many of you have found us here already. But just to be super clear – Starting next week, Wednesdays, 2 p.m., here on twitch.tv slash stoppage time 929. So this Tuesday thing is really kind of a, a one-week-only type thing. We'll, we'll adjust if there's a midweek match down the road. And there will be some midweek matches when we get into it's kind of like the second half of September going into October. But Jason's right. we got a lot to talk about. We have... Uh, uh, a relatively recently completed match against LAFC that we can review. We can look ahead to tomorrow's match against Toronto. We can talk about anything else going on in MLS, anything that happened on the weekend internationally. It was a very eventful weekend as a lot of European leagues got going. We can talk about national team stuff, anything you want. Just uh, type in your questions here on the, uh, the Twitch pitch, and uh, we'll answer them as they come along. But uh, Jason's the maestro running the show. Um, I'm glad your power is back on, by the way. So your power went out today. So yeah. I'm glad that's back. Yeah. It's, it's, I like where I live in the Virginia Highlands area. It's great. There's a lot of trees. And when there's a lot of rain and storms coming through, those things happen. It's, it, it stinks. does. It stinks. 
It was out for a well, little I'm, while. It wasn't too bad. I'm glad you're back up and running. Yes. Uh, there was a media availability this afternoon with Rob Valentino, Alan Franco, and Anton Walks. And basically, the news that we got out of it is it sounds like Mulraney and Ibarra will not play tomorrow. It sounds like Aruju's status still unclear. Uh, and again, you're waiting, if you're Atlanta United, you're waiting for his visa to clear so he can be clear to play. Uh, Rob Valentino said they're still kind of waiting for word on that. So knock on wood, hopefully it's not too much longer. I really hope uh, that that they can get this settled ASAP because Atlanta United could really, really use him. Not that they're playing poorly. In fact, they're playing very well. Uh, but Aruju would add another dimension to the attack. But we don't know if he's going to be able to play tomorrow. There's a little bit of weirdness uh, where Rob was asked about Joseph Martinez's status for tomorrow. And I think I may not have fully understood the answer. Um, Joseph, and going back and watching and listening to the match yesterday, the match from Sunday, I did not, I, I think it just kind of got lost in the mix of everything happening in the second half. But you correctly pointed out on the radio broadcast, Joseph did go over to Rob Valentino and to some of the physio staffers. They had a conversation. Joseph played on. And then after the match, Joseph was wearing an ice bag on his knee. I think some people are a little concerned about Joseph's status for tomorrow. Rob Valentino did not really directly answer a question about Joseph's status for tomorrow other than to say he's being a good pro. He's still relatively recently off knee surgery. So I'm like, he's not on the injury report. Right. Uh, Joseph is not on the injury report. So I'm going to assume he's going to play tomorrow, but I, I just want to report that exchange because it was maybe not quite the answer I was expecting, but I, I, I have a feeling if he's not on the injury report, he's probably going to play. So that's the news that we got out of the media availability today. Gonzalo Pineda will take over on Thursday once he clears. I'm assuming it's a COVID protocol that he has right. to clear. Uh, so Thursday will be his first day. The team will play under him Saturday in D.C. So tomorrow night against Toronto is the last match with Rob Valentino acting as the interim head coach, and look, they've played six matches under him. They've gotten results in four of them. They've won two in a row. They're unbeaten in their last three. Joseph has a three-match goal-scoring streak. Things are going pretty well right now. Rob's done a great job getting this thing on the rails. I still don't really know how to feel about what happened on Sunday just because I had the expectation that Atlanta United was going to go in there, have another two- or three-goal day. They could have. I mean, Joseph uh, got the goal to start the second half. Joseph was a step off on a second goal that was ruled out in the second half. Joseph did not have an exceptionally great finish on an opportunity in the first half where he was one via the keeper. So Joseph came decently close to having a hat trick. But I think, as you said on Sunday, Jason, you get a clean sheet against LAFC. That's a good thing. That's impressive. Even if they aren't of 2019 vintage, to clean sheet an LAFC side with Vela and Rossi uh, and uh, Atuesta, Brian Rodriguez. I mean, a lot of quality in their attack. Um, Sinfuentes, who I, I think really kind of tilted the match in LAFC's favor in the second half. You've done a good thing if you throw a clean sheet on them, and that's what Atlanta United did on Sunday. Yeah, you take the three points and you run with it. I mean, you keep them off the board. That's a good day at the office. There were more goals there for Atlanta United and Brad Kazan really didn't have any massive saves to make in this game. The best chance, I think, was Cifuentes with the shot off the crossbar. You know, I mean, I, I, it's a good problem to have if we're, we're looking at wins like, eh, well, it wasn't the greatest win. I'll take three points no matter how you get it right now. And I feel like they managed the game pretty well. And, and, and that's the number one element of it. What, what jumped out to me, thinking back on this and, and looking back at some different elements of it, the game changed at halftime when Bob Bradley came in very defensive in a 5-2-3, 3-4-3 kind of a shape, uh, makeshift back line because that's just where LAFC is right now. He decided to go for it at halftime, brought on Cifuentes for one of the center backs. Atlanta immediately took advantage. Marcelino Moreno identified it was 2v2, throw it up there and see what happens. He puts just enough on it, 
to get it to Barco over the top. Barco draws the defender to him, slots it to Joseph. There's your goal. 1-0. Good spot. Well, then LAFC took control of the possession, took control of the game a bit because they had 3v2 in the midfield. Atlanta stuck with what they had in the midfield. LAFC had added an extra midfielder at that point. They were able to control the game at times. Atlanta looked dangerous on breaks, but LAFC was able to dictate the game a little bit. But Atlanta was able to still stay comfortable with that because of how good the three center backs played. Alan Franco, Miles Robinson, Anton Walks, all outstanding in the match. So instead of matching LAFC in the midfield, kind of let them have that a little bit. The bet was that defensively you'd be secure enough to weather that and be okay. And they were. And Rob Valentino didn't panic when the game was tilting in LAFC's favor. That's a credit to him. The Sadich for Hosetsu sub helped the midfield, but it didn't have to dramatically change anything about the way the team was playing. Sadich is just more naturally a player who's going to sit a little bit deeper. So that worked. And a lot of it is a credit to the defensive side of Atlanta United and how they played. I thought those three center backs were all outstanding. I thought George Bellow was outstanding. Brooks Lennon was knocking the rust off. I thought he struggled a little bit getting forward. But defensively, he was absolutely fine. Ronald Hernandez was very, very good. So when you have that kind of a base, but you're not a defensive team, that's an interesting spot to be as you start to project things forward. And we've talked about what things look like when Luis Araujo is able to go. You know, Do you go to a 4-3-3? Do you stay in a 3-4-3? How do you make the pieces fit? And to have this security with these three center backs, with Brackazan in goal, with wing backs who can flip the field, you know, if it's Bellow, he's not a defensive outside back. He can get forward. He can join the attack. He can make things happen there. Same for Brooks Lennon. You have a little bit of the best of both worlds. And this is all of a sudden a team with a lot of options tactically, a team with a good bit of depth as well in all positions, and a team that can open things up and attack, attack, attack when they need to. And a team that without being you know, a, a bus driver and, and driving the buses in and, and parking, they can be defensive when they need to be without dramatic changes either way. It's a really good spot to be in. And you're going to need both sides of it. Because yeah. at this point in the season now, it's wins. You have to get wins. And if you're in winning positions, you have to secure wins. And you're going to have to be able at times to go chase a win and go find it. And at times, you're going to have to be able to protect a lead and, and see it out to get to three points. So you're going to need both aspects. Atlanta's in a good spot when Luis Araujo is ready to go. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Sunday's match was a match that maybe a month or two ago, Atlanta United may have ended up drawing, um, you know, and we've seen it at home. Unfortunately, they they did have some trouble holding on to second half leads at home. Um, maybe a month or two ago, that match ends up being a draw. It was more, I don't want to say tactical, but I think it was more of a chess match than I expected. A little bit. Uh, I think a little I think bit of Bob a staring Bradley, contest in some ways. I, I yeah, I, that's a good way to put it. I thought Bob Bradley. Um, I think you and I were a little bit surprised when we saw that lineup come out. Mm -hmm. I think we were more than a little surprised to see Mamadou fall in the starting lineup. And that ended up being a pretty good move by Bob Bradley. Mamadou fall. I, I'm still trying to figure out. I should have done more research on it. I have no idea how they got that guy off waivers. Um, but that ends up being a, a really, really, really good pickup by John Thorrington, the, the general manager of LAFC. Uh, but, I think there were some moments where Bradley was able to knock Atlanta United a tad bit off balance. I did like, though, to see the response from Atlanta United. And, and, and I never really thought that Atlanta United was in any danger of losing the match on Sunday. I thought they were in danger of maybe conceding and having to settle for a draw. I don't think they were in danger of losing. Now, why is this important? You have 16 matches left on the season, on the regular season, excuse me. 
Nine of them are going to be at home. Okay, right now, you're five points below the line. You're ninth. So you've got to jump two teams. Right now, it would be Columbus and Montreal. You'd have to jump those two teams to get into the playoffs. You do play Montreal once more. That's really important to point out. That's going to be October 2nd in Montreal. You're done with Columbus in the regular season. You do have two matches left against the last place team in the league, Toronto. Um, you're going to play Miami again. They're below you on the table right now. Unfortunately, you're done with Chicago. Um, so these home matches become critical. I think a lot of people have put 48 points. It's kind of the magic number that Atlanta United needs to get to to, to be relatively safely assured of a playoff berth. All right, well, you've got 16 matches left. Nine of them are at home. You're on 21 points right now, so you need 27. You know, I think you got to go 8-4-4 four, and four in, in your final 16 matches, which means you got to win as many home matches as possible. And what it really means is you can't be dropping points at home to a team like Toronto, who has played better since uh, Chris Armas was let go. They've played better but they're wobbly again. And um, th I don't want to call it a must win because you're never in a must win until you're going to be knocked out if you lose. But this is a critical match coming up tomorrow night. And I just, I hope people are aware. And I know we'll, we'll get to your comments in the Twitch pitch in a moment. I, I hope there's, there's an understanding that even though Atlanta United has more results right now than losses. Some of those draws have started to add up to the point where Atlanta United's got a tall mountain to climb and they're at the base of the mountain right now. I think they can do it. I think their schedule's favorable. Uh, I think the two or three teams that might pose the most danger of getting between them in a playoff spot have tougher schedules. So this can be done, but there's not a lot of margin for error. And what I hope is that under Rob Valentino, who's kept the vibe very, very positive, and under someone like Gonzalo Pineda, who I think also is very, very committed to making sure that Atlanta United's players are in a good place mentally, I don't want to see this team pressing. I want to see them go out and play free, especially at home. Uh, I think if they do that tomorrow night, they're going to get three points. We'll, we'll get into the matchup. But, but what they did on Sunday was crucial. You know, If that ends up being a draw as opposed to a win, now we're talking about Atlanta United being seven points below the line, maybe in 10th in the East, in fact, definitely in 10th in the East, as opposed to five points below the line in ninth. So that was big. That was big for Atlanta United to find a way to see that match out. And again, like I said, that's been the type of match this year, unfortunately, that until maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, they have not been able to see out. Yeah, you look back at 2019, the last year that you had seven teams going into the postseason in a normal schedule, and you needed 43 points to get in. Uh, New England got in the last spot with 45. Chicago was eighth with 42. There's 45 more points on the board. Am I doing that right? Yes. Uh, 15 games, three points apiece. That is what's available. Math. And it's yes. 16 more. Uh, played 19, playing 34. I thought they played 18. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, then that that's that's even worse. Then <laughs> then you might need to go eat three and four. Um, well, if you're putting it, you're at, right. if you're yeah. putting it at 47, if you're going all the way up to that again, 2019 yeah. Eastern Conference, you needed 43 to get in. Um, you can play magic number all day. It, it's tough to call with this many home games you need to take advantage of your, your schedule. And it's there for the taking for Atlanta United. I, I'm not in any way negative about their chances. You have to be realistic because you're coming in and you got to have a great run at the end of the season here to get into the postseason. You don't want to be in that spot. You need, you need a better start. But it's there for them. And you look at the talent around them. Columbus right now is free-falling. Columbus has a, a number of issues, and it's not just injury-related, but those injury issues aren't going away anytime soon. Montreal is a team that has, in my opinion, punched above their weight. Uh, Wilfred Nancy's done an amazing job, but 
talent-wise, I, I don't think they're at the same level as the teams around them. D.C. I don't think is at the same level as the teams around them, and we'll see them on Saturday. That's a big opportunity to go on the road and and strike against a team that is ahead of you right now. It's a huge opportunity for Atlanta United. Philly, Orlando, Nashville, NYC, New England, very good teams. Very good teams. They're going to be difficult. But D.C. in six, Montreal in seven, Columbus in eight. Teams behind you. Chicago's putting it together now. Um, Red Bulls are a mess right now. Miami has had a little bit of a run. They had another loss. I don't know how much more they have in them. Cincinnati and Toronto further back. Toronto had had a, a decent change after the, the managerial shift. Uh, Cincinnati, three straight draws. So, I mean, they're, they're getting something, but they've got to pick up wins. It's there for Atlanta. Now, they have to perform well to get there. That's the hole that you've dug. But it is absolutely 100% there for Atlanta with 45 points on the table to get into the postseason. It, it's not something that is an Im- mission impossible here. No, it's not. And I know – yes, thank you. I know some of the people – with the league website have tried to make it sound like it is mission impossible. It's absolutely not. Totally disagree. But the, again, the margin for error is yep. reduced. Uh, I think that is fair to say. Oh, 100%. Uh, but if Atlanta United takes care of business at home and gets a couple points on the road and the remaining six road matches, I mean, the, the, some are challenging, but there's nothing impossible in the final six road matches, which are uh, D.C., think you can get a point out of that Philly you hope you can get a point out of that but then Montreal Toronto Red Bulls Cincinnati yeah there's points there I mean, there's points on the table there and not to mention again that Montreal match you're going to play a team that's that could still at that point be directly in front of you it's a chance to tilt things very very quickly look it was, All right. with the home games with nine home games there's 27 points on the table right there and are you yeah. going to win all nine no. Is it impossible? No. But if you win your nine home games and lose the rest, you're on 48 points. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, even if yeah, even if they were to continue their current form at home, I think they're three, three, and three at home in league play this year. Mm-hmm. Or is it three, two, and three? So if if that means you of your remaining nine, let's say you win five, draw four. Uh, that's 15 and four, that's 19 points, you know, then you got to go find eight points on the road and six road matches. I think he can do that. It's absolutely not crazy. They've, they've got to be better than they've been this season. In my opinion, they've been better than that under Rob Valentino. I would expect them to continue that under Gonzalo Pineda, but you've got to take care of business now because you you've lost any margin of error because of the start of the season, this talent, and this team should be able to find their way in, but they've got to play well. All right, uh, let's get to the Twitch pitch here. Uh, Superman says, since Louise visa status is still uncertain or unlikely, what kind of player rotation would we expect, if any, for tomorrow? Uh, it's just going to be down to fitness. Um, you're kind of at that point in the season, and, and that's why you know we, when we talk about the standings and, and games and what's available – Talking about margin of error, you don't have a lot of margin just to rest people to rest people. You've got to play your best players. And I think the lineup that we've been seeing lately with, you know, obvious some shifts because of suspension and what have you, that's the best players. Luis Araujo will be one of those best players. He'll come into the team when he's available. So you've got to play your best players. Now, there are going to be games in this run where it's not that you're rotating to rotate, it's that your best players can't go. They don't have 90 minutes in them. So then you have to field your best team. And you're not, again, you're not going to rotate to rotate. Looking back at Sunday, yeah, there's a concern about Joseph. Um, I think there's probably an over-concern about him because of the the knee issue, which is understandable. You're also going to be very careful with him. Um, you have to. It's just the reality. And, you know, he, he shed a lot of light on some of the challenges that he's had since his surgery, which did not go smoothly and had follow-ups in December. And, of course, that's going to set you back from a fitness perspective. And then you come into the season and you get going and then you have another stoppage because of COVID. So they're going to have to monitor him. But this is why you have a sports science department. 
you're looking at how much these players work in the game. That's why they wear the, the vests that they do. You're measuring everything. So when you see something that is concerning about a player's output in a game, like they're not sprinting as much, they're not able to hit top speeds, they don't have as many longer runs in them, that's where, after conversations as well, you say, all right, he can't go 90 this game. Can he go 30? Can he go 60? And that's where you start making decisions on, is he going to start but come off early? Is he going to start and we'll figure it out as we go? Or is he not going to start and he's only got a limited amount of time in him for the game? I didn't see anybody else that I was overly concerned about on Sunday um, outside of Joseph because of that conversation, really, and because of what we know about his knee. Uh, Brooks is back, but is he back back? Is he, you know, 90 minutes good or is he on a, like a minutes restriction kind of a deal? He would be the other question for me. Uh, Moreno came off early, so he should be okay. I don't think there was an injury that brought him off early. Um, I don't remember any th- anybody else that I was worried about at any point in the match. So I, I think you're good. And, you know, look, you wish you had the luxury of, of looking ahead to Saturday and saying, okay, how do we match up there and what do we do here? You got a home game, you have to win the home game. It's a home game against a bad team in Toronto. You got to win that. Full go, everybody who can go goes. You have to rest people for Saturday because they're tired after two games. It's a road game. It's a lower percentage win. You have to do that then. Have to win tomorrow. Toronto, by the way, is in a similar boat. I, I know they played on Saturday as opposed to Sunday, but they have traveled to Altador is going to be out. In fact, Preso, I think, is going to be out. They have a couple players out, a couple players uh, uh, questionable as well. So it's not just Atlanta United dealing with that 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 challenge. Now, Burned uh, says he'd be surprised if Joseph plays at all because two games within four days on turf would be poor load management. Yeah, I mean, your sports science team's got to make that call. Um, You are looking big picture here with Saturday looming. He might not be able to go 90. I mean, what did he he go? Went 87 on on Sunday, came off late. And we think he waved off a sub, but yeah, he went 87. They talked about it. I don't know if he waved it off, but they talked about it for sure. Yeah, It's it's impossible for us to say on the outside. We don't have the data. So, right. I mean, I, I can't tell you that it's it's irresponsible or it's not proper load management. That's going to be down to Joseph, and that's going to be down to the sports science department to tell. But you know they're looking, and he's had conversations. We've seen it in two games now over the last five, six or so that he's had those conversations with the bench about how he's feeling. So they're definitely keeping an eye on it. And if if he can't go 90, but he can start and get you to 60 – I think you take it. If he can't go more than that, then you're probably looking at him coming off the bench. And then it's Jackson Conway or it's Kubo Tortoise up top. But if he can get to 60, I think he starts. I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is Atlanta United has shown that they can play very, very positive soccer, attacking soccer, without Joseph Martinez. They scored three goals and probably could have had more in Columbus. Joseph didn't play. I thought one of the more cohesive attacking performances that Atlanta United had all year was in Cincinnati, where Joseph did not start. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up with a draw, and I, I understand they only scored one goal, but they could add way, way more, uh, if not partially for Kenneth Vermeer, the Cincinnati goalkeeper. So I just I, I don't want anyone to think that if, if Joseph could not go tomorrow, that that would be the end of the world against right. a team like Toronto. I, I think far from it. Now, what would be interesting, Jason, let's say, hypothetically, Joseph can't go or can't start, or they not can't, they make a decision to load manage Joseph tomorrow. Let's say on top of it, we don't know the Araujo visa situation at this point, but let's say Atlanta United gets word tomorrow, Araujo could play. What does it look like then if if you don't have Joseph and you do have Araujo, um, do you even play with a true nine in that situation? You don't have to. Um, you could go false nine with it. That'd be really fascinating to see with this group. Uh, maybe Barco in that kind of a role. Um, could Araujo play that? 
I mean, anything's possible. I'd have to really do some digging to see if he's played it. I, I don't think he has. I, I think Barco would probably be the most comfortable to set the pace there, keep Araujo in a, a little bit more comfortable role for him on one of the sides uh, and tuck it inside when he can. I, I think you want to try to make it easy for him. That would be a big difference. It'd be a shock to the system if you're Toronto and you see that lineup. Kind of like, wait, yeah. what? Huh? How do we deal with this? Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. My my gut would be Conway would start again. That would be my gut feeling. Is if Joseph can't start, that it would it would be Jackson Conway. Um, I would expect more from him than we saw in Columbus. Uh, I thought he kind of struggled to find the game a, a little bit. He did have that great volley that uh, hit Jonathan Mensa square in the face. Um, Poor guy. Yeah, Mensa felt that volley for sure. Uh. But he struggled to kind of get into the flow a, a little bit. So if Conway gets that start, I think you'd, you'd expect more from him. But How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Just going to be down to Joseph's availability. I think that's the, the easiest solution is to replace him with another number nine if he can't go. Okay, uh, Turner Kirby wants to know, would Rob Valentino potentially be a fill-in if Pineda were to be suspended for some yeah. reason. Yeah, he would. I don't, he would, I, but I don't really, I know this has occurred where we've had managers sent off. Uh, Tata Martino missed a match in 2017. Heinze missed a match this year. I, I think the chances of that happening are incredibly remote. But again, like I, we talked about last week, you know, Pineda, I think, did a smart thing in putting two former head coaches on his staff. Uh, De La Torre's also been a head coach before. So um, I'm sure they would figure that out. But yeah, I, I get the sense, Jason, that Rob Valentino, like if there's a, like a, a flow chart on that technical staff, that Valentino, even though he wouldn't have this in a titular role, he's probably the lead assistant coach on this staff. That would be my guess. I think right now, I mean, Pineda made it clear, like he doesn't look at it that way. He looks at it as a team. Um, but right now, Rob has the institutional knowledge. So Gonzalo Pineda is going to lean on him a lot as he gets to know the group and gets to know how everybody works and, and personalities. You know, you walk into a new group of people and you don't know everybody and somebody is acting a certain way and you're kind of like, is that, that normal that, that, that they do that? Is that normal? Is that, that how they normally act at training? Or, and Rob can be like, yeah, that's what he does. Or, yeah, you know, you can have those conversations. So Rob becomes really important right now. And if, you know, 
things get crazy in D.C. and Gonzalo Pineda has to make a, a very strong point to a referee and the referee doesn't really care for that point and sends him off, then I would expect that, that Rob would be in charge the next game. Uh, Bird wants to know, what's Toronto's basic shape and how is Atlanta United going to line up against it? He wants to know, do they play 3-5-2 or 4-2-3-1? Well, let's look back, and and Toronto's a little bit of a work in progress, so you know we have to kind of keep that in mind that we don't really know Toronto that well because they're with an interim manager, and they've had to figure it out on the fly. 4-2-3-1 has been the most likely scenario from them lately. It's what they played against New England. Um, it's not a traditional 4-2-3-1 because Jonathan Osorio is is one of the attacking three in that. Posuelo and Soteldo are others. They're very fluid. It's not exactly a, a very wide 4-2-3-1. It's pretty narrow. Soteldo can drift out wide, but he likes to cut inside. Posuelo can be a 10, he can be a second forward, he can be a winger, he can drift all over the place. Osorio typically has played with Delgado and Bradley as a, a midfield three. That's shifted a little bit now with Soteldo in the mix. So four in the back has been the typical side of it. Uh, it was Richie Larea on the right, Kamar Lawrence on the left against New England, Zavaleta and Gonzalez as the center backs. Uh, Mavinga... Hasn't been playing much lately, but he's played a good bit this season. Um, and I don't believe there is an injury with him. Achara started up top. Um, Altador is out for this match, so he won't be there. I think Dom Dwyer is questionable. Um, he is. Okay. He's, he's, a, he's listed as questionable, so it's possible we see him up top. Um Patrick Mullins could start up top as well. You know, he's a good passer up top, not a really a, a traditional, like, big target number nine. Bradley, I think they wanted to conserve minutes for him on the weekend, but he had to come in when Preso was injured. Preso's out for this game as well, so Bradley probably plays as the six. Um, outside of that, I mean, you look back at some of their other previous lineups, I think it was... Philly two games ago where they did go with something resembling a 3-5-2, 5-3-2, but Soteldo was one of the forwards, and he's going to drop off of that, so it's not really two number nines. Um, that was with Josie Altador as well. So I'm curious to see what they do. We don't know this manager that well. And they're not really in a position to come in and be defensive. But does he get conservative on the road in a tough place to play, historically? He could. And they could go 5-3-2 and, and sit, bring in, bring Mavinga back in. It could be Zavaleta, Gonzalez, Mavinga. It could be Lawrence and Larea as the wingbacks. You've got that midfield trio that's played together for so many years with Bradley, Delgado, and Osorio. And you could decide if you really want to get creative, play Pasuelo and Soteldo up top. You know, it's a midweek game. Maybe Pasuelo and Soteldo both can't go here. One of them sits and, and you play a charter or Mullins with the other one. It's possible, but they haven't done it the last two games. So we don't really have a great read on what Toronto does to come in here. I just don't know how conservative they are. I would expect a 4-2-3-1, which Atlanta has the last couple games stayed with their three center backs. You know, that's been consistent, which was not the way under Gabriel Heinze where he would shift at that point against a 4-2-3-1, he'd play a 4-3-3 against it. That hasn't been what Valentino has done against Columbus and against LAFC. So does he stick with the three center backs right now? It's hard to go against that with two wins. I think you probably keep that. Yeah, and I think Toronto does not have the luxury of being able to come in here and be too conservative because um, draws don't help them right now, uh, unless they're trying not to win the wooden spoon. I mean, they're they're 27th out of 27 in the league right now. So if they have any ambitions of postseason, uh, they need wins, not draws. So yeah, I, I'm sure they're going to be responsible coming into a, a road match, especially in Atlanta. But I don't think they're going to be overly conservative either. Uh, back to our discussion, I, I guess, about how many points it's going to take in Atlanta United's remaining schedule. Byrne wants to know how many Atlanta games could be affected by national team players' absences during 
the qualifying cycle, in particular Miles and Bello and Joseph Martinez? Yeah, that's tricky because in South America and in CONCACAF, teams are going to play three games in the September and October windows. I'll pull those up really quick so we know the exact timelines we're talking about, and then we'll look at the Atlanta schedule because this is something to keep in mind when we talk about you know, load management and rotation and all these different things, this is not going to be easy to manage because players are not going to be coming back from World Cup qualifying in the same way that we're accustomed to. So South America, Joseph Martinez, Ronald Hernandez, I think both are possibilities to be with Venezuela. We look ahead to the upcoming match days, and September, well, they've got it all out of whack because of games getting moved. Um, September 2nd, Venezuela hosts Argentina. September 5th, Venezuela goes to Peru. <clears throat> and September 9th, Venezuela goes to Paraguay. Now... When you look at Atlanta United's schedule, you see that September 10th, they host Orlando. It's on the right. Friday. There's going to be games on the Thursday beforehand. That's not typical. You know, you think back to previous international windows, and you would see games played on the weekend, players go to join their national teams. Thursday, Friday, every once in a while, Saturday game for the first game of the window. Then Tuesday was the last day for games in the window. Then they'd come back. Even a Friday game after that, it's a little shorter than normal, but it's doable. So if Joseph and Hernandez are away with Venezuela and they play on the ninth, if they're not if they're not coming back after the game on the fifth, they're not playing against Orlando. Okay, you look at Concacaf, where Miles Robinson I think is the most likely. I think Brackazan is a possibility. I don't think it is the most likely, but I think it's possible. Really hope not, because he would be the backup. I really, really hope not, but anything's possible. George Bello is less likely, but not completely out of the realm of possibility. Um, in CONCACAF for the United States, they go to El Salvador on September 2nd. They host Canada in Nashville on September 5th, and they go to Honduras on September 8th. Miles plays 90 in San Pedro Sula on, what, 10.05 Eastern time on the 8th. He's, He's not probably playing not playing on Friday. Could no. he be available to come off the bench? That's possible. We've seen that happen. Um, is it likely? Not ideally. But luckily, in his case, George Campbell playing excellent. you got Alex DeJohn. You've got cover. They're not Miles Robinson, but you've got cover. Uh, Hernandez, you've got cover with Lennon. You know, you, you're good there. Joseph is the one that is a, a problem because, as we talked about here, if you don't have him for tomorrow, it's going to have the same conversation. What do you do? Probably turn into Jackson Conway, and you're going to need him to grow up fast and, and produce, or you're going to have to get really creative. And look, now there's time. There is going to be a little bit of time for Gonzalo Pineda to work with that very talented attacking group and maybe have a different solution up his sleeve. We'll have to see. But Joseph Martinez is the one that is going to be the hardest to replace, and I don't see him being available against Orlando on the 10th if he goes with Mexico. Or goes with Venezuela, sorry. All right, Decatur Ray wants to know, what do we make of the Jurgen Dom stuff? He's wondering if John Sutcliffe, who reported <laughs> that yesterday, uh, that I guess there were talks between Atlanta United and Club America regarding Jurgen Dom. Uh, he wants to know if John Sutcliffe, who reported that, was just trying to stir the pot with America fans. Well, John Sutcliffe, uh, I don't think he ever refuted the report that uh, Andres Guardado is coming to Atlanta. Um, that's been going strong since 2016. Um, <laughs> he, he was adamant that that was going to happen, like demanding yeah. that anybody who questioned that was, was crazy. <laughs> um, didn't happen. Uh, I think he's had... Guardado go to a few different places at different points. So, you know, he's maybe not the most clued in all the time. However, 
Jurgen quote tweeted and responded because what Sutcliffe said was very important, and, and I think Jurgen Dom felt like he had to respond. So there was something going on, according to Jurgen Dom, because Sutcliffe said that Dom refused to go to Club America. Dom responded and said, no, I did not refuse. It didn't work out. So that's a big you, difference. Can you help me out with this? How can Atlanta United and Club America make a trade? That's how I saw it described yeah. in at least one report. How does that work? Instead of paying cash for the player, you swap a, a player. I mean, it, it's not You can common. do that? I, yeah. I just, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not familiar with that it's happening. It's not common, but it does happen. Um, we're hearing it talked about more and more and more now as teams are trying to move contracts around and maybe don't have as much cash to spend. It's it's come up a lot with Erling Holland and, and other names that are floating out there. I think Barcelona is trying to send any player they possibly can for other players because they're trying to get rid of salaries. They're trying to dump salaries. So instead of paying transfers, oh, yeah, we'll give you Philip, Philip Coutinho. Please take him. We'll, we'll take a warm body for him, somebody who can run. We'll take him. It's you're getting into these kinds of situations. So I, I don't know how serious conversations were, but Jurgen just said it didn't work out. Um, but that he did not refuse to go to Club America. I think that's the yeah. most important element of it. All right, one more part of the story that yeah. I'm confused on. The MLS window is closed. It would have been talked about before the window, I'm assuming. Okay. I don't so, think Sutcliffe so I, was saying I'm assuming recently. if that's the case, then that obviously it broke down based yeah. on what Jurgen said. Sutcliffe then if I'm understanding correctly is reporting that this was in discussions before the window closed. That, a week he would have had to. I mean, it, if, okay. if Jurgen said that it didn't happen because it didn't get worked out and, and uh, Decatur Trey brought up the same point, it can't happen now. It's impossible to happen now. It would have been talked about before the MLS window closed if it was talked about. And again, Jurgen said that it was talked about and it just didn't get worked out. So, um, Maybe Sutcliffe is bringing it up now to tweak people or whatever because it can't happen now. But it right. would have been talked about from the Atlanta perspective before the window closed. John Sutcliffe, by the way, is a good reporter. Uh, he is. And he's reported on more than just soccer for Absolutely. ESPN. He, he, he's a good reporter. So I, I want to be really clear. We're, we're answering a question from a viewer. Uh, I, I'm not questioning Sutcliffe's credibility at all. And I think also, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, if we're being totally honest, a lot of that would make sense that Atlanta United might be trying to move on from Jurgen Don, because if you look at it right now, you have Aruju and you have Jake Mulraney. Uh, you, you have plenty of cover on your, your right flank right now, where Jurgen, unfortunately, is probably right now the third option. I'm, uh, right? Yeah. He hasn't produced. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. Um, Injuries have played a bit major part in that, but he hasn't been able to produce, and he's on a big salary. So in a cap league, when you start looking at, all right, we're going to look at making moves. We'd like to make a few moves. If we can, how can we do that? When you have a player who's on a high number and is not playing a lot and there's interest in him, well, you have to consider that. You have to kick the tires on these things. It didn't work out. Doesn't mean it can't be revisited in January when the window opens again for MLS and We'll see what could happen at that point. But, you know, I mean, Jurgen Dom's going to want to play. And he's healthy now, but players are ahead of him. So he's got to wait his turn here right now the rest of the way. But he's going to want to play. And with the numbers that we see in this group right now, and you look ahead to what next year could be, and we don't know all the contract situations because this stuff isn't public, um, he might be looking for a move in the offseason. Mm -hmm. uh, Emilio. Was Joseph's additional surgeries due to site infections? He says he did not hear his comments. I think, I think that's what it was, right? When I, he had to go back in December, it I was an infection. I think that's issue? what he said. He he talked about procedures in December. I think three and five days, and he talked about infection. I don't know if they were one hundred percent related, exactly the same. Um, I don't think he specifically said. It was this and this together, and it created this. I don't know exactly how that was handled, but it would make sense that it would be. 
but we don't know exactly. But yeah, in December there was more procedure, more work done on his knee. Uh, it, it's something I didn't find out about until Sunday yeah. when Joseph was talking about it. Uh, I was really blown away. I was very surprised. I think it, it frankly kind of changes the whole context of um, how Joseph has played this year, to be totally honest with you. And, and I'll be, I'll be very transparent. There have been moments where I've lost a little bit of patience with Joseph um, at times uh, this year, um, just with, with some, I, I go back to the goal in Montreal where I think maybe the work wasn't necessarily there to help his goalkeeper on a, a free kick that landed at someone's boots. I think there have been moments where, where Joseph has maybe leaked a little oil in the second half. Now with the information that we learned on Sunday, that changes my opinion entirely. And, and perhaps I should have been more patient with Joseph because I wasn't aware it got that bad. Everything we had heard was that, oh, yeah, Joseph, no setbacks. He's on schedule to, to start when training camp starts. He's on schedule to, to play for the first CONCACAF match. And, and, and he was playing and, and early in the season. Yeah, he, he, he was there at the beginning of training camp. From everything I know, I, I don't think there was anything incorrect about that. So you would expect that the, whatever procedures were done in December were obviously not the same as the initial surgery. They were, you know, maybe more related to infection. I just and and Superman said scar tissue and infection. I don't think Joseph specifically said that. And I mean, Joseph, I, I don't think he did either. Joseph was talking part. with the media. It was fairly loose. So I, I don't want to put words in his mouth and diagnose from the outside. So I'm I'm really careful about that. But it was because he was available once training started not too long after the these procedures that he was available so okay it wasn't a major procedure it could have been that it could have been something else whatever he was back but he wasn't 100 percent. and i think now we know why because when you start to go through a timeline you know you you have the surgery you go through the recovery you start to exercise um you would expect that by almost a year after the injury, when training camp opened, because it was delayed a little bit, that he would have been further along. Now we know why he wasn't. And right. that's the biggest thing that we wouldn't have known, because he did have stops and starts. And that's going to make it longer and harder to get that fitness up. And, yeah, I mean, it's... It's a challenge. Uh, Dictator Trey says, uh, I know some things get lost in translation, and, and he was speaking in English in, in the, the press conference, so I think that's really important. Um, I don't know exactly what his thought process was. He, he would have to explain that more, more in full about worried about having to retire or thinking about retiring or, or where that was. We've heard athletes talk about this in, in serious injury. It's, it's not uncommon for an athlete to question if they're going to be able to play again, if they need to quit, if they, if they can't be who they were, all those kinds of things. It's, it's not uncommon in a serious injury where you miss a full season to have those thoughts. And especially if you have to have a follow-up procedure, what, eight months or so after the initial surgery? Not quite, maybe seven months, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to yeah, wreck you a little and, bit. And and you, you bring up a really important point. Joseph was speaking in English, yeah. and I really appreciate him trying to do that. So Joseph's trying to translate himself from Spanish. Yeah. And what Joseph said was, I didn't want to play anymore. Well, I, I'm going to give Joseph the benefit of the doubt and maybe assume that he was trying to translate a different way of expressing that in Spanish, and that's the way it came out in English. Because Joseph followed up by saying, he wanted to keep fighting for this club. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's awfully hard to judge intent when we are dealing with language barriers yeah. and Joseph is, is translating himself. I'm glad it didn't happen. It's kind of terrifying to think about that it was close to happening now. We never yeah. knew it. Um, Joseph's camp does a really good job of playing it close to the best when it comes to his injuries. We found out on the first day of training camp in 2020, that Joseph was playing hurt during the 2019 playoffs, and yep. that might have actually had something to do with why he missed that penalty against Toronto. We didn't know any of that until three months later. 
So, um, you know, Joseph and, and his camp, they do an excellent job of being very, very private about things like that. But I, I do definitely appreciate Joseph's candor. I can only go for about three more minutes because there's going to be Hawks news at the top of the nope. hour that I have to get on the air for. You all know what it is. Uh, well, I, gonna... We have no idea. Now, you all know what it is. Um, <laughs> just look at Twitter. But I'm going to have to peel away here in a moment. So maybe we take one more question yes. and then uh, say, well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll ask a question. Thank you all in the Twitch pitch. Um, how do you think they're going to set this up tomorrow against a team that is still dangerous enough with Saltildo and Pozuelo and Osorio, even without Altador? You can't afford to be too pragmatic, though, right? Because you've got to go out and you've got to win this match. Yeah, but, and this is where we go back to what we're talking about the lineup, you've got a lot of flexibility built in with the personnel you have. I don't think they change what's been working. So I'm expecting to see Robinson, Walks, and Franco. I think we see the three center backs. Uh, they won't play Altidore up top, Toronto. So I don't know exactly how they they do the the top. Is it is does Dwyer get a start? You know, he hasn't really been all that effective this year. Does Patrick Mullins get a start? Does Achatara get another start? I think Atlanta doesn't worry about that. They play the three center backs, and if it's only one forward you're dealing with, well, then Robinson and Walks are going to have more freedom to step up and and join the attack. Sosa coming off of a really good performance. I think he's in there as the six. I, I think it's Bello, and it's either Lennon or Hernandez on the right side. Um, Brooks, if he's ready to go, I think he's back in the starting lineup when he's ready to go. Just don't know if that's tomorrow. Uh, the midfield's the question, and we, we've talked about this. We have no idea about Luis Araujo and if he's going to be ready to go or not. If he is, he plays, I think. I, I, if, if he's ready to go, I don't think he needs to come off the bench first. I, I think he's going to go into the team. So... You know, I mean, do you get that announcement like tomorrow at five o'clock? <laughs> like, do you get the paperwork coming in as things are shutting down with wherever the visa office is? Do, do you get a, a really good phone call late in the day? Um, you got to be prepared. So, however you shape that part, I don't know. Is are you planning on him, Moreno, and Barco, which we've talked about? I think they can play across a front three. Um, if you play three center backs, then somebody's got to help Sosa in the midfield. Somebody's got to be able to drop. Um, and it's either Joseph or, or Conway up top, depending on Joseph's availability. I got a feeling Joseph's going to be able to start. I, I don't know how far he can go, but he's going to try because he's in good form. He's He's got goals. So he could have had more last Sunday. Uh, the question is that other midfield spot. And if you, and we've, we've talked about this, and we don't really know until we see him, with Luis Araujo, do you keep the three center backs and then maybe ask Moreno to drop a little deeper? Barco and, and Araujo are going to have to drop deeper too to help Sosa. Or do you sacrifice a center back to play another central midfielder and go 4-3-3? And that's what it's going to come down to. And, and we just don't know really until we see it, until we get that call that Luis Araujo is ready to go and then it will be kind of feeling it out a little bit on the fly. Because yeah. you get a weapon like that, you're playing him. You're not going to play a center back over him. He'll play. And it's how do you make the rest of it work to have that balance. That's the part that we don't know until we see it. Well, one thing's for sure. You're going to want to listen to the pregame show tomorrow night at 630 because we'll have all the information by then yes. and we'll help to put it into context. Thank you for finding us on Twitch. This is where we're going to be from now on for the live version of Stoppage Time. Uh, the replay will be posted on Facebook Live. I saw some questions about the audio. Yes, still on all the podcatchers on Off the Woodwork. And we're back on our Wednesday schedule next week, next Wednesday, 2 p.m. here on Twitch and then afterwards on Facebook. Yeah, now that it's a little bit easier to do these things, maybe we, we pop up here occasionally from time yeah. to time when things happen. Maybe from the booth when we're killing time for things. Who knows? There you go. Things could get crazy. Yeah, not, so not make a sure, bad idea. Make sure on Twitch you're following Stoppage Time 929. You'll get the notifications when we go live. You can always watch the replays on Facebook, and you can listen to the audio in all your usual spots. But uh, tomorrow, 630, is when we're on the air. We'll know the lineup by then in Toronto. Kickoff will be about 708. So we'll see you at the bins, or we'll be talking to you on the radio. Have a good rest of the day.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.